Welcome to VitFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VitFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molino. For more information about VitFriends, you can visit us at www.vitfriends.org. Or you can call me at 844-374-3639, extension 804. You can also email me at LLNLpodcast with an S at gmail.com. Again, that is LLNLpodcasts at gmail.com. Welcome to Living Life in Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. So today I have a very special conversation with Mr. Jim Lee from Insight. So welcome, Jim. Thank you. Good to be here. Awesome. So, Jim, um, before we get into the conversation about the medication, I know that's what a lot of our uh, community members want to hear. Officially introduce yourself and maybe tell us your role with Insight and then we'll get into our conversation. Sure. My, my official title is Group Vice President, Inflammation and Autoimmunity. And uh, what I do is lead the uh, clinical group working on various immune disorders, specifically uh, in the dermatology space. Awesome. And and once again, I thank you for being here. Um, this is going to be a very, I, I would say, a very informative conversation. Um, our community members need to hear the facts about the new medication that's on the market. So let's go ahead and start there. Can you share with us the name of the new medication um, that's on the market and how will it benefit the vitiligo community? Sure. The approved drug is called Opsilura. That's the brand name. And the generic uh, molecule is called ruxolitinib. And it's a, it's a cream form that patients put onto their skin. And uh, what's, what's very exciting now is we, we got the official approval from the Food and Drug Administration this past Monday, and it's approved for the treatment of vitiligo patients, specifically non-segmental vitiligo, which is the most common form of vitiligo, as you know. Uh, we got that approval uh, for adults and pediatric patients down to age 12. So really excited for patients who've never had a treatment for repigmentation of their vitiligo. This is the first treatment uh, for that condition. And so we're, we're just uh, very excited that we we're able to, to work on the molecule, to develop it, and hopefully uh, have patients benefit uh, now that it's available. Absolutely. And, and as you might hear in our community, you know, it's historic for us as well. And everyone's very excited about it. Um, now, with the cream, what parts of the body can we not use it on? Because sometimes, you know, we get the cream and we feel like I need to use them everywhere. That I have spots, but I understand sometimes the hands and feet may not take it very well. But what about this particular uh, treatment? Um, how is it going to work for us in that form? Sure. sure. There, there's no restrictions on where you can apply it. So you can apply it anywhere on your body. The, the one restriction is the total amount of area you can apply it to at one time. And that's about 10 percent. Of, of your body's surface. And, and the doctor, the prescribing physician, the dermatologist can make that assessment uh, for, for patients. Um, and, uh, but, but patients who have more than 10% could certainly use it. They just uh, shouldn't apply it on more than 10% at any one time. So, but in terms of, um, of, of where it can be applied, as you mentioned, hands and feet are, are very 
uh, very difficult areas to treat, but uh, we actually did see uh, responses in patients who use it on their hands and their feet. And, um, and you know, again, the, the, the best area, the area that responds the fastest uh, is obviously the face and the neck. And so we saw a very uh, a good response, a faster response. And, and the doctors will tell the patients this, and you've probably heard this as well, is the reason for that is the face area is the area of the body that has the most hair follicles. And, and the reason that's important is the melanocytes, which are the pigment, you know, the, the skin, the specialized cell that lays the pigment down into the skin. Um, there, there's the highest density of hair follicles uh, on the face. And so that that's why um, we see such a, a much more rapid response in the face uh, than in other parts of the body. But that's good to hear because um, like for myself, I have a lot of depigmentation on my hands and feet. And for years, you know, it just seems like, well, there was nothing for me, you know, to treat my hands and feet. But now knowing that this new treatment um, has some promise, you know, of course, we know the face will uh, repigment faster. However, it, it sounds encouraging that, hey, I can also apply this, you know, of course, thin at 10% um, uh, area, but still th there's hope, you know, and I think that's what we need in our community to hear that there's hope. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're, we're all patients um, or we have loved ones who are patients. And, and that is such an important part of, of going to see your doctor and seeing if there is something to treat your condition and disease. And, and now, you know, we, we're offering and have brought to market um, some, a product that we hope can help a, a lot of patients. And so that, that is, it, it's very satisfying, very rewarding for us to be able to provide that that, that degree of hope. The, the one thing I will add, and, and that is um, with the hands and the feet, we did see responses in the hands and the feet. It does uh, take a little bit longer. And, and the reason for that is, is that there, there's fewer hair follicles on those areas. It, you know, you can take a look down at your hands and your feet and, and see that, that, that you have fewer hair follicles. So as a result, you just have to be more patient. Uh, right, but, right. but to your point, I think, uh, you know, it, we, we have a lot of hope that that those areas, those parts of your body will will see improvement as well. And, and Mr. Lee, this is what I would like for you to do as well. Um, I had a conversation with one of our members from the international community. Um, she contacted me shortly after uh, the treatment was approved. And in her community, she said, some of the people there are saying it's a cure. And we wanna just make sure people have the right information that this is a treatment that works very well, but it's still not a cure for vitiligo. That's exactly right. This is not a cure for vitiligo. Um, what this does specifically is it is it blocks the destruction of those melanocytes, the cells that lay down the pigment that I mentioned. Um, and um, and and we don't know what happens when patients when they stop treating themselves for for a variety of reasons. Right. We don't know if um, the pigment and you know how long it will take for the, the depigmented areas to come back. So we, we shouldn't really uh, let people know that they shouldn't think of this as a cure. This is a treatment. And, uh, and as patients use it, we'll find out more about it, but, uh, but it is premature. Uh, and actually it, it's probably not correct to call it a cure. Absolutely. And, and thank you for clarifying that. Cause I want to make sure that we're putting out the right information to the community, to our listeners. Um, and other people in the vitiligo community and outside of it. 
because we get excited and I understand, you know, we hear something that works. We're like, oh, yes, it's a cure, but still not a cure. It's still a treatment. However, it's it's working, you know. So with this treatment, uh, how long do you have to continue to use it? Sure. Um, so, so in the in the clinical studies that we conducted, we compared it against a uh, placebo cream for about six months. And then we allowed people to continue treatment beyond six months. And so we have data in the label uh, with uh, with six months of treatment, but also with one year of treatment. Awesome. And we're and we're continuing to study. So we we actually have will have uh, more data with uh, up to two years of treatment from our phase three studies. And that, that data will be available sometime next year. And uh, and so we'll be able to see um, how patients respond with longer therapy. But uh, but but in in general, what the uh, what the label says in the U.S is is continued treatment um and then i think what will happen was the patient and the doctor will have to decide when um you know they're, they're either satisfied with the treatment or if perhaps uh, they're a patient that doesn't get a satisfactory response they'll have to make that decision in terms of uh, whether to continue or not with uh, with their physician okay okay um i do have a question um i think about myself um uh, i have slow moving vitiligo um, I am depigmenting, but it's extremely slow. But I've had vitiligo for over 25 years. As you can see, and our listeners, you can't see my face, but Mr. Lee can. I have very little around my mouth, but mostly my hands, arm, you know, certain areas of my body. Um, with this particular treatment, does it matter how long you've had vitiligo or, or is that a factor as well? It's not a factor. Um, we have patients who have vitiligo for almost 50 years, and and they still responded. So the the key the key is that if you have hair follicles, um, and uh, if they're not white, uh, meaning they're bleached, uh, it's likely that you will respond to to treatment. And and so the duration of how you will have how long you have vitiligo does not seem to have an impact on whether a patient responds or not. Okay, what about um, skin tones? Um, is it the same regardless of your skin tone, whether you're lighter or darker? Did it, you know, patients respond to it equally? They, they do. So uh, age, skin tone, uh, race, gender, none of those uh, had an impact on uh, a patient's response. That's awesome to know. Because um, I, I think sometimes in our community, you know, particularly within the African-American community, we feel, you know, it may take us longer to regain pigmentation depending on the, your skin tone, you know, and it's good to hear that it, none of that matters. Gender doesn't matter. Ethnicity doesn't matter. You know, how long you've had vitiligo doesn't matter. This treatment is working. So that's good to hear. Um, I, I did have a question about this treatment being available in the U.S. Is that also including like our U.S. territories? Uh, that's a great question. I think uh, if they're part of the U.S. And, and their drug availability is governed by the Food and Drug Administration, mm -hmm. uh, then technically it, it should be available and approved for use in the, in the U.S. territories. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, possible side effects, because uh, I think about myself, you know, I, I take um, I have medication for, let's say, asthma, allergies. Are there any possible 
side effects or issues if you're taking other medications or somebody who may be a diabetic or someone who may be taking some other type of uh, drug for a different ailment? No, that's a, that's a great question. And we did not see uh, any increased risk in, in subpopulations of patients, in, in particular patients who had uh, another condition or disease. And, and, and you bring up a great point because uh, since uh, vitiligo is an autoimmune disease, uh, in the literature, there, there's a lot of data out there that there are many other autoimmune disease that vitiligo sufferers um, also have. Um, right. Mistress anemia, diabetes, um, a thyroid disease. So, so we collected all that data. And, and if you take a look at the patients that had uh, other autoimmune diseases, uh, there were no safety concerns or issues in, that, in those patients. That is awesome to hear. Um, there was something I did read about side effect. Um, it was based on a clinical trial, but it stated someone 50 and over had a possibility of having a heart attack or stroke in regards to the treatment. Um, what is that percentage or is it very low or, you know, if you are no longer in a clinical trial when you're using the medication at home, is that still a risk? Or does that risk go up or is it just very low? So for Opsilura, um, we had uh, one or two cases of a heart attack and stroke in the vitiligo studies, uh, but those patients had um, other factors, uh, right. uh, high blood pressure, lipid, diabetes, uh, elevated lipids. So it's it's hard to tell when you have patients who have other risk factors, you know, what uh, what part or if any, uh, the treatment of, of Opsilura would have played in those uh, side effect profiles. Uh, Opsilura does have what's called a box warning and the box warning is directly related to the class of drugs that Opsilura is. So ruxolitinib is a JAK inhibitor. And uh, the first JAK inhibitor that was approved by the FDA many years ago, a drug called tofacitinib, uh, they did a long-term study in older patients, 50 to your point, 50 and older. Um, they I'm, actually, in a, I'm in a yeah, category. <laughs> okay. 50 or older um, who had risk factors for, for heart disease. And they did find that, um, and, and many of them were smokers, and they, they found that uh, tofacitinib uh, increased the risk of, of heart attacks, but also uh, two types of cancer, lung cancer and lymphoma. Now, this is a drug that was taking orally and for a long time. This was a five-year study. But because of the results from that study, the FDA felt it was important to uh, warn patients about that possible risk um, not just with tofacitinib, but with the entire class of medicines. Right. And, and, and that's, uh, that's actually reflected in our warnings and precautions section. And it's something that patients should obviously talk to their physicians about and, and make sure that uh, the benefit risk is, uh, is warranted for them. And so, it, you, you know, the, the warnings and precautions are there, uh, again, to, to, to make sure that doctors and patients know uh, all the potential risk, and right. in in terms of the the absolute risk, uh, it's it's we did not see an increased risk of those events with our clinical trials, and and mostly because this is a drug that's applied topically through your skin, and so not not taken by the mouth and a pill, but but we don't want to sort of minimize that risk, so it's important that patients talk to their doctors. Absolutely, that's very important, and thank you for sharing that, because that was one of the questions I had. Um, I say I'm in that 50 and up category because my 50th birthday is in September. So I'm in that category and I'm like, wow, what if? But it's always a what if, you know, no, no matter what you're taking, there's always the what if and the risk of 
know, some type of side effect or other health issues. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think you've re reassured us that it, it's okay and talk to your doctor about it. And if you have any other health risk, you know, just make sure you get checked out. So that's important. Can you explain to us what a jack inhibitor is? Because we hear it all the time and some people have no clue. We just hear it and go, okay. So can yeah. you explain it to us, please? I, I'll try. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> best um, you can. <laughs> yeah. In, in um, When your body experiences inflammation, whether it's in the skin or whether it's uh, somewhere else. Um, so let's talk about the skin. So when your, your body experiences inflammation in, in the context of vitiligo, um, what happens? Uh, so your melanocytes, again, the, the cells that lay down the pigment are destroyed by your own immune cells. And that's why we, we refer to it as an autoimmune condition. And, uh, and so those immune cells actually are, are regulated by different signaling molecules uh, called cytokines. And many of the cytokines that sort of turn on your immune cells and tell almost direct your immune cells to destroy the melanocytes, they all sort of work via what's called the JAT-STAT pathway. So it's, uh, it's actually a, um, it's almost like a switch, if you think about it. Okay. It's, a, it's a switch that sits on the surface of the cell and, and the cytokine comes in and then turns the switch on. And that switch is controlled by the JAT-STAT pathway. And so if you can block that switch, the JAK-STAT pathway, you can block the activity, that immune activity that ends up having your melanocytes be killed. And that's what ruxolitinib does, is it, it blocks that JAK-STAT signaling, that switch. Right. So essentially turning off your immune response and then helping your melanocytes survive. Awesome, awesome. Um, does that affect any other aspect of our immune system? say like fighting off colds or anything like that? It, it does. So when you get a cold, when you get uh, an infection, um, it, um, it, it causes your body to, to basically turn on its immune response, right? Because right. You, you, the, the best way, the, really the, the best way for your body to fight infections uh, is to, to really kill it with your immune cells. So there, there is a, a slight risk uh, that that you might mitigate or sort of affect uh, the ability to fight infections, but we really didn't see that in the clinical trials. And and the reason we believe we didn't see that is because it's a drug that you applied onto your skin. So awesome. usually when you fight colds, it goes through your mouth, your your GI tract, your nose, and 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 we don't have an effect on those body parts. And so. So we didn't see um, really an increased risk of infections or colds with uh, with the ruxolitinib cream. Awesome. I'm glad you explained that to us because a lot of times we hear certain terms in our community and we truly don't understand them, but we hear them. So I'm glad you um, had a chance to explain that to us. and We really appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about the, um, the, the cost. Um, I guess before we get to the cost, when will the treatment actually be available to the public? So Opsilura was approved back in September of 2021. It was approved for a disease called atopic dermatitis, commonly referred to as eczema. Right. And so it's been available uh, since September, approved then. 
and and obviously got just got approved for vitiligo uh, this past week. So the the drug is actually available. Uh, doctors can write the prescription now for vitiligo now that it's approved. Um, and uh, and in, in terms of the cost, it really depends on the patient's insurance, right? Um, and and their insurance coverage. But um, but we we do have a program called Insight Cares that will help patients if they have a, a high copay, for example, uh, a plan that has a high copay. Um, that's something that, uh, that 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 Insight Cares program can help uh, patients with. And again, that's something that the doctors, the prescribing physicians. Uh, can can let their patients know about. Oh, that is awesome. That's good to know because I, I, you know, I think sometimes about some of our older community may not have the financial means to get the medication they may need, and it's good to know that insights, you know, there to help. You know, so that's good. And um, and all physicians that are prescribing this uh, medication, they know about that program, correct? They should know. We've been out there letting them know about Absolora <laughs> since last September. So I, I would hope they would know. <laughs> good. That's good. That's good. And if they don't know, we will help hopefully help educate them about it. You know, that would be great. Um, yes, yeah. definitely. Um, let's see if I have any other questions. So I, I I think I hit on pretty much almost everything I wanted to talk about, but what is the future of vitiligo research, knowledge and treatments and and where do you see this going? So, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's important to remember this is not the end of, right. of LIGO research or, or the end of, of new products. This is just the beginning. And um, we, we've been working with the vitiligo community and the, the vitiligo the scientists who work on vitiligo and the physicians. And we all have one thing in mind, and that is to continue to 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 develop better treatments for patients and, and alternative treatments. Right. We, we know that that uh, you know some patients with extensive disease with more than 10 percent bsa uh you know need something systemic um right. and so we're, we're continuing to to look at uh, other treatments for vitiligo and and the vitiligo scientific community has been working on this for many years dedicated uh scientists uh we we know many of them and 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 we're we're continuing to to work on on treatments and look at better therapies for for all the patients who suffer from vitiligo. So this is a very exciting time for us. We're, we're very excited. We're honored to be working in this space, and we hope to uh, continue to our work and continue to to try to bring, you know, new treatments for patients who need it. That's awesome, and, and it's good to hear for our community because sometimes we think that we get in this box where we feel no one cares. You know, we know there are treatments. We know about the UVB and other, you know, products that are out there, but we feel like we need more. We need something else. And now finally we have something else that's proven to work. That's FDA approved. And it's good to know that it gives us so much encouragement. It gives us so much hope. And then, you know, I'm, I'm thinking even further into the future that one day there will be a cure. You know, we'll figure this out. And not say we, meaning the scientific community and the vitiligo community, because, you know, as we're out there spreading education awareness, you're behind the scenes doing the research, testing these things out that we don't understand. And we're like, sure, just bring it to us. And um, and we're open. We're open about it. Um, any new information, any new treatments, anything that I think gives us hope to our community, we accept it. Um, but I wanted you to come on so you can give us 
the direct information, you know, so we're not hearing it just from each other or assuming we're hearing it directly from you. Is there anything else you want to add about the treatment or or even the process that I may not have asked? Well, I, th I think you, you really touched upon it and that's the hope and, and that's what drives us uh, to to really develop um, new treatments and better treatments. And it, it's it's the 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 you know, the interactions, the the patient journeys that we learned about that motivated us. And so I, I would only ask that you continue uh, to to speak out and continue to ask for better treatments, because that that's really what drives us, help, helps drive us in understanding what patients go through. That provides the motivation for us. So, uh, you know, my, my ask of you is to make sure you continue to work with us, continue to work with the scientific community and, and push us, uh, push us uh, to work harder. To, to develop and continue to develop better treatments. Absolutely, absolutely. And we would definitely be there with you as you guys are with us. Um, had an opportunity to meet Erica and a few other representatives at our World Vitiligo Day. It's encouraging to us because we had an opportunity to spend time with the doctors, with the researchers, and we didn't feel beneath anyone. We all felt like colleagues able to share and, and celebrate together and, and just, have a wonderful time. So we really do appreciate Insight for being there. Oh, it's so, our it's you. our honor and our, our pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. So one last thing, Mr. Lee, uh, with any of my guests, I always ask them to leave words of encouragement to our community before we wrap up. So anything you would like to say to our listeners, just anything to encourage them about the future? I think never give up hope. Um, let me provide a personal anecdote in medical school. I had a classmate who had severe rheumatoid arthritis. That was over 30 years ago, and, and he suffered extensively. He had bone deformities and joint deformities. And, and now, 30 years later, you almost never see a patient with RA like that, rheumatoid arthritis like that. And, and that's because we have so many better treatments. We have lots of treatments for those patients. So I, I would say that um, we're at a different place with vitiligo. But, you know, seeing what I've seen with, with all sorts of other autoimmune conditions, um, I would ask patients, never give up hope, stick with it because we're still working on better treatments. Absolutely, I greatly appreciate that because uh, we need hope and hope is here and, and together as a community, we're gonna make this happen. Definitely. And for our listeners, you have been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Just remember to, always spread love, you know, love your friends, love your family, love your enemy, but most of all, look in that mirror and tell yourself, I love you. Once again, you've been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. You'll take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Living Life and Love with your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Bit Friends Podcast are sponsored by my Vitiligo team. 